One more time, please. Okay. Jesus touched my eyes when I was blind. He made me see, and there's no doubt about it. But this man's needs more serious than mine. Suppose that second man said, I hate to doubt him. But Jesus is, is I'm having a hard time. Mm -hmm. This man's needs more serious than mine. Suppose that third man said, I'd hate the father, but Jesus can I'm sorry. One day four men brought a crippled man. I can do it a cappella. <laughs> but anyway, let's go. One day four men brought a crippled man to Jesus. Still and lifeless, he lay upon his bed. He had not moved since was just a baby, but still he longed to become a normal man. Now we don't know much about the men that carried the corners of his tattered bed that day. But if we may create an illustration, we'll see what these men might have had to say. Suppose that first man said, I hate to doubt him, for Jesus touched my eyes when I was blind. He made me see, and there's no doubt about it, but this man's needs are more serious than mine. Suppose that second man said, no need to bother, this man's condition will remain the same. Though Jesus touched my hand when it was withered, I don't believe he could heal a man so lame. Suppose that third man said, I hate to question, but none here are more skeptical than me. Though Jesus cleansed me when I was a leper, this helpless man will never walk, you see. Then every eye was turned to the fourth man to see how he might criticize and doubt. But all three men were startled with amazement when the fourth man stopped and said his name out loud. He said, my name is Lazarus. Could I testify? Oh, my name is Lazarus. It feels good to be alive. When I in chains of death was bound, this man named 
you think your little problem is too big for him to solve, just take it from the one who's heard the mighty voice of God, a living testimony of his death-defying touch. My name is Lazarus. He said, my name is Lazarus. Could I testify? Oh, my name is Lazarus. Feels good to be alive. When I in chains of death was bound, this man named Jesus called me out. Now, if you think your little problem is too big for him to solve, just take it from the one who's heard the mighty voice of God, a living testimony of his death-defying touch. My name is Lazarus. I'm a living testimony of his death-defying touch. My name is Lazarus. Thanks for your patience. You guys know I'm nervous. I'm going to try this again. <laughs> but I just uh, make one clarification. In the program, it says, My First Day in Heaven. And the name of this song is actually uh, With Eternity to Go. Eternity to Go. And this song was introduced to me by one of your members here, and that was Jackie Keating. And um, so I'm, I'm happy to sing it um, in memory of Jackie. So I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Here I stand at the gates of pearl as the saints go marching in. I can't wait to see their faces when they see me again on my first day in heaven as I walk the streets of gold down at the master's feet the savior of my soul I'll have a talk a talk with all my friends and family of old for this will be my first day in heaven with eternity to go. There I'll see, see the little child that I never got to know. Again, I'll hold my sweet mother's hand, hug dad and say hello. I'll have a talk, a talk with all my friends 
and the family of old. For this will be my first day in heaven with eternity This will be my first day in heaven with eternity to go. This will be my first day in heaven with eternity to go. to go The story is told of a king who had two sons, twins, and they forgot to put a string around a finger at birth, and they didn't know who was born first. And that was important because the firstborn should be the next king upon his father's death. So as they grew, the king decided that there would be a contest. He would want his son with the greatest wisdom to be the next king. So he posed a question. And each son was supposed to take a side and prove their point and thus prove their wisdom and be the king. And the question was this. Is a gentleman born or is a gentleman made? The age-old nurture versus nature question. And one son immediately argued, of course, Father, as is by birth, a gentleman is born. And the other one says, not so fast, a gentleman is trained. And so it was easily chosen which son would take which side. And the king gave them 30 days to find convincing proof of their argument 
to come back before the royal court and argue. And the winner would be the next king. So the boys set off across the kingdom to find something to prove their point. The one who believed a gentleman could be made went about to interview all the gentlemen he knew. He wanted to find out about their bloodline. The one who believed a gentleman was born a gentleman did much the same. And one night the prince that was trying to prove that a gentleman could be made was in a pub. He was not a baddie. He was in a pub and he had an aha moment. There on the bar was a cat walking on its hind legs, dressed in a little jacket and a little hat, carrying a little tray, serving chocolates to the people in the bar. The prince was thrilled. This will prove my argument that you can make a gentleman if we can do this with a cat. I will be the next king. So he purchased the cats and eagerly awaited the meeting with his father. His brother heard the news of the gentleman cat and devised his own plan. The big day came. The twins approached the father's throne. The court was there. One of them would sit on that throne one day. And the prince that had the cat could not wait. He wanted to go first to prove his point. And his brother agreed. Father, I believe I have convincing proof that a gentleman can be made. And with that, the door swung open and in comes the cat. Now, his outfit was improved for the royal court. He had on a better hat. He had a silver tray with the best chocolates in the land. And on his hind legs, the little cat walked up to the king. And the king was delighted as he reached down and picked the chocolate off of the tray. And the cat just stood there before the king. The king was convinced the contest was already won. He looked at his other son and says, Do you have anything that you can do? Aren't you convinced? The son smiled and shook his head, no, I'm not convinced. And he takes a small box out of his pocket and he opens it and he sets it on the ground. And out from the box, four mice scurry onto the floor of the throne room. The cat throws the tray down, hits all fours and chases the mice out the door. Guess which one won? The king was convinced to name that son the king that brought the mice. A gentleman had to be born a gentleman was the winning argument. Isn't that debate really still raging today? Are we born what we are? Can we really change? Or are we able to rise above our situation? For the last several weeks, we've talked about transition, changing in great ways, becoming more than what we were. 
and there is good news, yes, of course we can change. We've seen it. We've experienced it. We're living it. In fact, the news is so good that I can tell you today that not only can God change you, but he can make you better than you were before. He can make you strongest at your weakest point. And that's where we're going today. Before we go further, let's pray. Lord, bless us as we look at your word, as we see people that have truly changed. Help that to inspire us and to call us and to help us to never settle, for you can do so much with us. In Jesus' name, amen. People who weld, and I lived in farm country, and it seems like every farmer in farm country could weld, will tell me that when you weld a piece of metal, that where you have fixed it, brazed it, welded it, becomes the strongest point. If it breaks again, it will not break there because it is stronger than what it ever was. And I truly believe that God can do that too. He could take our weaknesses and make them our strength. And there's great biblical examples. Let me start with one that's pretty common. Anyone here shy, maybe reluctant to share your faith? You come up with excuse after excuse after excuse. God, I don't know. Get somebody else. I don't know if I can do that. Maybe you think you're not qualified. You'd like to witness if you could, but you're just not sure you'd be any good at it. There is hope for you. Let me introduce you to my friend Moses. In Exodus 3, you likely recall the story of the burning bush. God calls Moses aside to teach him a lesson and to call him to share his faith and to be a great leader among all the leaders of history. And I want you to look at Moses' half of the conversation. Beginning at verse 11 of chapter 3, Moses, after he's been called to be a witness for God, says, Who am I that, to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? I can't do it. We can relate. Verse 13, Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors sent me to you, they'll ask me, what's his name? What can I tell them then? I don't know enough. You ever use that one? I don't know enough. Chapter 4 begins this way in verse 1. Moses protested again, What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? What if they think I'm crazy? You ever use that one? Verse 10, Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been. I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. I, I'm not a good speaker, Lord. You tried that one. Verse 13 of chapter 4, Moses again said, Lord, send somebody else. There's got to be somebody better than me. Send somebody else. You know Moses. And you know what happened. You know the rest of the story. God changed Moses, and he became a great mouthpiece for God. We're still talking about him today. Listen to this. If God can change Moses, he can change you. Because he still is in the changing business. We've looked at our next example several times, and I love this one. You ever watch the news, and you think, 
well, God, why can't you just drop a bomb on that, just wipe it all? You ever done that? We call them short fuses or lack of love, whatever you want to call it. Maybe you're not as loving as you think you should be. We meet our friends with short fuses in James chapter 9, beginning at verse 51. Brothers, you know them. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of him to a, ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. They're showing some prejudice against Jesus who had, well, he'd made them heroes in his story, the good Samaritan. He had a revival at the well with a woman at the well in Samaria. And now he's going through there again and they don't want him. This ticks off verse 53, our friends we meet. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? Now, before you laugh at James and John, can you relate with James and John? You ever wanted that ability? If you haven't, go drive around 285 tomorrow. You'll get that ability really quickly. James and John are referred to as the sons of thunder. Jesus gave them that nickname. Their dad's name was not thunder. Their dad's name was Zebedee. So Jesus kind of uses their personality to give them their nickname. They wanted to be able to zap people. They weren't loving like they should be, like we should be. James died for his faith. And John, who wanted to call down the zapping, wrote these words in 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7, years later after this incident. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into this world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And as he wrote those words, do you think he was thinking about some of his sins, about wanting to zap people through his life? And now he's turned. Dear friends, since God loves us that much, we surely ought to love one another. One of the most beautiful sections of love in Scripture. God changed James and John. Sons of thunder to men of compassion. God did that to them. He can do that to you. And likely already has. If you look back at the old you and look at the new you, you probably see you're much improved. One more example we'll look at. We live in a pretty self-centered world. Is that fair to say? If that's a problem for some, let me introduce you to a man named Zacchaeus. You know him, but think about the similarities you might have with him before and after. Luke tells us the story beginning at verse 2 of chapter 19. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He'd become very rich. Well, he stole from people. 
All he wanted was money, and he did whatever he could to get it. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road where Jesus was going to go past that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name Zacchaeus, and the crowd stopped and held their breath and smiled and thought he's going to chew him out and let this thieving tax collector have it because he has been taking us forever and they were just going get him Jesus tear him up and then Jesus said something they did not expect come down I must be a guest in your house today can you see the crowd's eyes now he's doing what he's going where Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people that I just told you about were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, and they grumbled. Good thing people aren't like that today. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. What changed? He went from selfish to selfless, from a taker to a giver, a generous giver. If God can change Zacchaeus, and he did, he can change us. There are so many biblical examples and I love them, but I also love the modern-day examples as well. I talked to a friend this week that's a great husband, and he once was not. One day his grown daughter came to me and told me that things were bad at home, and I had no idea this was in another state. So we prayed, and I remember she and I sat on the back pew at the church and prayed for her folks. My friend became a Christian in the next year as a grown man and is now a great husband and a great father and a great grandfather. What was his weakest point became one of his strongest. My friend John is in heaven. I struggle to remember his last name. I can see him. It's been years. Years ago, I used the illustration I began with today about the cat. And John came to my office, and he was bothered. And John, I remember, he said, David, I was a cat for a long time. He meant that he'd lived a tough life and ran around and was wild, and he wanted to change. And can I change? We looked at God's word together, and John saw that change was real, that transformation is real. John died fairly young. And Tawana, as you sang, he's going to be one of my friends I see in heaven. I remember sharing him with him some of these stories likely that we talk about today in a verse that has been key in our talk of transformation. One I learned as a kid, and I believe with all my heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is for all of us. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. That is still true today. And if you have settled, and there's a weak spot, 
a weak point, let Christ change it and make it one of your strengths. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you that we can be new creations and those old things can pass away. Thank you for the change that we see in Zacchaeus and James and John and Moses in people around us and Father, most of all, in ourselves. Thank you for continuing to transform and remake and remold us into what you want to be. Father, bless us this week that we live that transformation so this world can see it and we can help them change as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would encourage to remind you that we have a connect card in the foyer in the Welcome Center. If there's a prayer request you would like to leave with us, if you'd like to join the church through that, if you'd like to be baptized, just let us know and we'll connect with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.